Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good morning. I am Pastor Kaya, and I am so happy and thankful and humbled today to be with you this morning, uh, speaking the Word of God. Man, what a privilege it is to be able to speak and communicate the Word of God. I don't take it lightly. It's a beautiful, amazing honor, and I'm glad that I have it today. So I want to let you guys know we are having an amazing year. I mean, this year is amazing. I mean, like, amazing things are happening. Wonderful things are happening. This is the best year ever. And yes, I have been in the same year as you have, because I know you're thinking, well, maybe she's in 2021 and I'm in 2020. No, no. I'm experiencing the same year that you are experiencing. However, I am a person of authority and influence in the spiritual realm, and I speak those things that are not as though they were, and this is an amazing year. I mean, this year is blowing my mind. What an amazing year we are having. So listen, we are so excited uh, to be able to invite all of you. Uh, we're so thankful that all of you are joining us on the broadcast, but we would love to invite every single one of you guys to come join us in person starting the next following Sunday, whatever the date is for next Sunday, that, that's the day that you're invited. So we want to open up our doors to have you guys all come in person. We're so, so excited to lay our eyes upon your faces. We miss you guys. We miss you guys. And also, for those of you that are still joining us at home, listen, we got to be intentional about staying together. That has literally been like a theme this year. The Lord's been just echoing it in my spirit. He's like, stay together, stay together, stay together. Every time Judah wants to go somewhere or heaven wants to go somewhere, I'm like, stay together, stay together. Hey, stay together. And God is telling to his church, he's saying, hey, stay together. So there's some things and some uh, uh, practical tools that we put in place. We want to let, we want to know that you're with us. We want to know that you are still tracking with us. So every single one of you, those that are here and joining me on the broadcast, I want you right now to text TBCF to 94000. That's TBCF to 94000. That's our way of checking in. It doesn't matter if you did it last Sunday. We want you to do it every Sunday. Okay, this is a new set. This is a new Sunday, a new season. Okay, so text TBCF to ninety four thousand. Let us know that you guys are with us. That's our way of holding hands and staying together, honoring the Lord in that way. Amen. Listen, I'm so thankful for my pastor. I'm so thankful for my man of God, and I would love to solicit you guys' prayers to continue to uplift and uphold our pastor. He has been on a journey, man. He's been on a journey of God's healing and God's grace, and I'm seeing it play out on his life. However, yet and still, that's some amazing news, but you know what? That doesn't mean it's not heavy. You know what I mean? God's healing him, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt. God's brought him from a mighty long way, but that doesn't mean he's not different than he was before. So I would love to solicit all of you guys' prayers. I'm not going to get emotional. He's looking at me. He needs to stop looking at me. I want to solicit all of you guys' prayers to continue to pray for our senior pastor, John R. Butcher Sr., and his family, okay? Because we in this too, okay? We, we, we with him. So 
please pray, 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 pray for the Butcher's family. We are so thankful to have a church family. That's all I've been thinking these last couple of months. I'm like, I don't know where my life would be without TBCF. Like, how do people do life without a church that loves them, corrals around them and say, hey, what we doing? Where we at? It's not a, oh, they're over there. No, this is where we are. Where are we going? And I love that. I love the fact of having a camaraderie to belong to a group of people. Hebrews 10 and 25, it says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. We are a tribe. We are a clan. We are squad goals. And I'm so thankful for it in my life. So thankful. So last week, Pastor John spoke on the three aspects of worship. Super, super important. How many of us know that worship is our connection with the Father? It's almost like an iPhone. Or, um, I'm sorry, a phone. I know there's other phones besides iPhones. Sorry, I have to correct myself in that way. It's like a phone. It has to be plugged up every night, right? If it's not plugged up, man, it's going to lose power. And so worship is just pointing to our connection with the Father is how we receive power and uh, discernment and leadership. Gosh, our connection with the Father is so very important. So I know, well, hopefully I'm not the only one that as Pastor John was going through that message thinking, dude, I had to check myself. I had to like check some things that was going on as he was going through those three aspects of worship. There was some conviction of some certain things that I was going through, and I'm, hopefully I'm not alone. Hopefully I'm not the only heathen in here trying to follow after Jesus. But I was like, dude, there's some things that needs to be checked in my spirit but I'm so thankful for God's grace because it's always there to meet me exactly where I need him to be. So Pastor John went through John 4 and 23, talked about, and the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that really stuck out to me because I'm like, okay, so he's saying true worshipers, which means there's some false ones. So he's saying the true worshipers, which means why didn't he just say the worshipers? But he didn't. He said the true worshipers, which means if he stood here in the crowd of room, in, in this room, he'd say, hey, I'm looking for the true worshipers. Yeah. We would all assume that he is looking for all of us, but he's not. Yeah. He's looking for the true worshipers. And I'm like, you know what that pointed out to me is that the Lord is not intimidated by the false or the fake or the ones that just kind of tag along on the drive, the ride. He knows that they're there. Why? Because they were the same people showing up for the fish dinner. Right. But yet and still, he still fed them. He, they were the, he, he noticed them in the Pharisees and the Sadducees that would follow along on what they were doing. And they got fed too, but he knew that they weren't there to grow. And so he's saying, I'm looking for the true worshipers to worship me in spirit and in truth. And I'm like, well, what am I? Am I true or am I false? Am I right or am I fake? So I want us to turn to Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Because as I went through this last week, y'all coming too. So here we go. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And it says this, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And this told me about God's amazing patience 
when it comes to his church and his people. The Lord is not a father or a leader that's intimidated by the ones that are coming in that's not a going, that, that doesn't have a heart set for his plan. But it doesn't woo him or stir him at all. He's just still intentional about the word he's giving, about the provision that he's giving out, knowing that there is tares among the wheat. Me being the kind of leader that I am, I'm always trying to think of all aspects. I'm like, okay, so these people are going to come in and they, they're doing this. Now, that might affect some of the other key leaders that are, you know, what about the deacons? Are they going to steer the deacons to start doing this? Or oh, what about this? Or what about that? And the Lord is not that kind of leader. There's so much to learn from the Lord's leadership of patience and love and trust. Why? Because his will is going to be done no matter what. So why do I have this inward anxiety about doing God's will, thinking somebody's going to come in here and mess it up? God's like, no, if he wasn't concerned about somebody coming in messing up his plan, why should I be concerned about somebody coming in messing up God's plan? So here we have God saying, I am looking for the true worshipers. Here we have God saying, I am looking for the wheat and not the tares, knowing that they're all growing together. Just because I'm in God's house doesn't make me saved. Just because I'm a pastor and a leader doesn't make me approved. Just because I can sing songs of victory and sing songs of God's faithfulness, just because I can speak in tongues, just because I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover doesn't mean that I'm reserved a place next to my Father in heaven. I've got to search myself and find out, am I standing in the truth of who God is? Am I a true worshiper? Or am I a tear that's growing among the wheat? I had to examine myself, me. Now, I'm not sure if anybody think I'm perfect. If so, thank you, boo. But I'm not. So here we are. If I've got to examine myself, if pastor has to examine himself, we all have to examine ourselves to find out if we're standing in the truth. Why? Because there's distractions. The tares are a distraction to such a point that the servant in the scripture was like, well, let's just throw the whole baby out. Throw the baby and the bathtub. Let's just throw this whole thing out. It's almost like it's infested with roaches. Like whatever you can think of that's terrible and will make you want to throw something out, that's how the servants felt about this whole harvest. This thing is broken. It's bad. Lord, should we throw it out? And he said, no. Let them grow together because in the end, I'm going to do the separating. He didn't say in the middle, halftime, I'm going to do the separating. No, he basically said in the end, and one of the things that pointed to me about the end is that the, the, the resolve and the persistence of the wheat that was there, the good that was there, they had to push past the bad, had to push past the, past the influences of the bad, the pressure of the bad, of the tares, the wheat that made it to the end, dude, they deserve some celebrating because they, I mean, they could have easily got tangled up with the bad, but they didn't. And so that's some good news right there. Distractions can be dangerous. I remember this one time, Judah was four and heaven was two. And it was around this time of year, a church in town had a harvest festival. They went all out. They went all out. Yeah, pastor's putting his head down. He already know where I'm going with this story. They went all out. I mean, they had jumpy houses. They had candy. They had entertainment. They had a band. They had a clown. They had a lion. They had a, I mean, whatever you thought that they would have, they had it. And my kids were so excited. And mind you, Judah is four. Okay? I'm pushing heaven in a stroller. I keep turning back to John. He's like, go. You know, he gets his little military. You go. I hold up the rear. Go. I got Judah. 
I'm like, okay, but I'm pushing the stroller and I'm, there's a lot of people, you guys. There's a lot of people. So I keep turning around to say, okay, you got Judah? He's like, go. I got Judah. You just worry about you. Just go. I'll hold up the rear. Okay. So I'm going and we get to the little toddler baby section because we're going to let heaven out the stroller and we're going to let her play in the little baby section. And there John is who has been bombarded from the moment we walked into the door with pastors, friends, Want to be Christians, whoever it was, whoever they was, they was like, John, what's up? John's like, hey, how's your mama? How's your dog? Where, 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 what color is your car? Like, I mean, it wasn't like a hi. It was like, hey, how you doing? Like your shoes. Like, where you been? Like, well, give me a hug. Where's your number? Let me check. Let's make sure I got the right one. I mean, from the moment we walked in, this guy was bombarded with people. But what did he say? Worry about you. Holding up the six. I got Judah. Just go. All right, sir. So there we are, we reached the toddler section. I got heaven in the stroller. There's John, Mr. Popularity. Where's Judah? Judah was gone. Okay, may I mind you, there was a lot of people. So mama bear is going crazy, okay? Y'all know, I am perfectly sane and saved until you mess with my kids or my husband. Mama bear is evolving. Where's my baby? Who's got him? I will burn this place down, okay? I interrupt John's conversation with, you know, with uh, communicator number 423. Excuse me, sir, sir, excuse me. John, where's our son? Oh, he, oh, oh, okay. Watch heaven, I'm going to find my baby. So we find Judah in the corner of his eye. He done found the jumpy house across I mean, like, you literally had to pass the front door. I don't know when Judah spotted this jumpy house, but he left us. Maybe when dad was talking, maybe he told dad. I don't know. He was four. But he's in the jumpy house. So thankful the fact that he was in the jumpy house. But John, from that moment, was forever changed because he realized what distractions can do and how you can mishandle something that's super valuable to you with distractions. Now, listen, I didn't hold it against him, okay, because we found him. <laughs> I didn't hold it against him. However, at that time, I knew that he learned from that experience. How do I know? Because this dude is so irritating when we walk into a crowded room. He's like, where's Judah? Where's heaven? Where's Judah? Where's heaven? Where they're 12 and 14, dude, they're okay. Where's Judah? Where's heaven? Like, he is literally programmed now. He, that will never, ever ever happen again. The thing is that, yeah, Judah was valuable to him, and he thought he had it. He thought he could handle the distractions of the communicators, of the, the people that loved him, his fans, all those people. He thought that he could handle them and Judah, but he lost sight of some priorities in the midst of all 823 conversations. Somewhere along the way, oh, the way, he lost something valuable, not just to him, but to us. And he, doesn't, he didn't know when he lost it. Just because Judah, just because John was near Judah, didn't mean that Judah couldn't walk away or he couldn't lose sight of him. Just because John loved and adored our son didn't mean that he couldn't get distracted from holding his hand and protecting their connection. And that's just like us in our hearts today. That's just like us and our hearts today. Just because we came here for God, just because we came here with God, with intentions to serve him, 
doesn't mean that we can't still, still lose focus in our sight of our relationship with him. And I'm speaking this from a leader. I'm speaking this from someone that is a, a, um, a master organizer. I'm speaking this from someone where you show up for God and with God, and sometimes you won't notice when you let go of his hand and when it's become work and not worship. God allows the distraction. That's kind of like the hard joke about this whole thing. Like God allows the distractions. God's not, God didn't baby gate the Garden of Eden from Adam and Eve. He didn't put a baby gate around the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't baby gate it. He didn't protect the tree from them or them from the tree. He says, choose ye this day. And God's not baby gating my life either. God didn't baby gate from John from all the prospects and the fans from keeping him from losing Judah that day. And God's doing the same thing. He's saying, I'm looking for the true worshipers. I'm looking for them that have a resolve to worship me, that has a resolve to keep our connection no matter what's going on in them and around them. And God's saying, I'm not intimidated by the distractions. I'm not intimidated by the tares that's growing among the wheat. I'm not intimidated by the enemies of the church. I'm not intimidated by them that are looking to defame the name of Jesus. I'm not intimidated by them because the true worshipers, will worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm not sharing this story saying that John's a bad dad because he's not. He's an excellent dad. I'm sharing this to say that you'd be surprised what you can lose sight of when you look away for just a moment. When you look away for just a moment and say, God, but my flesh really wants to do this, I'll be right back. You'll be surprised of what you can lose sight of when you decide to look away in your heart for just a moment. When you appease your flesh, when you appease your, yourself for just a moment, you'll be surprised what you can lose sight of. The title of today's message is The Resolve of a Worshipper. The Resolve of a Worshipper. John chapter 4, 23, we've been talking about it. But the hour is coming and now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Man, I talked about the wheat that grew among the tear in that other scripture. Dude, there's some muscle power to their faith, to that wheat. Like, that's really what stands out to me. What stood out to me in that scripture in Matthew was not the fact that the tares were there, but it was the perseverance of the wheat. Like, I will grow. I will glorify God. I will be obedient to what I've been planted to do. That takes a certain resolve. And I believe that that points to us today, that God is looking for that kind of resilience, that kind of perseverance. Jesus made a true distinction between true worshipers, which means there are false worshipers. So we all have to ask ourselves, where do we come in? And oftentimes, I don't know about you guys, but I'm hesitant on asking God those kind of questions. Why? Because he's the truth, the way, and the life. And if he tells me something, it's going to be the truth. And I'm not always sure I can handle it. So sometimes I'm a little careful about what I'm asking God. Because it's easy to fool our friends, our coworkers, and our followers on social media. Because whatever your issue or your problem is, best believe there's a filter for that. I don't got no lashes. That's okay. There's a filter for that. 
I'm ashy, that's okay, there's a filter for that. There's a filter for all our flaws, especially for those that follow us on social media, but one of the things that there is not a filter for is your heart to the Father. You can't filter your heart from the Lord. God's saying, I'm looking for the true worshipers, and I'm not looking for your filter to to cover up your ashy face or your lashless eyeballs. God is saying, I'm looking for true worshipers that will worship me in spirit and in truth. No matter how much we try to deny or even lie to ourselves about our real self, we can't lie to the Father because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And the thing is that Jesus says there was a criteria between true worshipers, which means there's a criteria between true and false, which means it's not uh, uh, with this woman that he was talking to in John 4 and 23. There's a lot of things to be said about this woman in John 4 and 23. How many know? She was a Samaritan woman. Dude, double negative. She was a woman and she was a Samaritan. Now, for a long time, I've been trying to figure out what's the beef between the Jews and the Samaritan. You guys remember that one time when Jesus called that Samaritan woman a dog? I was like, oh, 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 okay. So we just going to call her a dog and just like keep going like that's normal. But there was like a big rift between Jews and Samaritan to such a point where Jesus is like, I'm not denying it. It's there. So one of the things that we need to do is worshiping has to be based on our knowledge, based on what we know. Let's look at what he said to the woman. One of the things that he, he pointed to her, he says, you worship a God that you don't even know. Right. So he's pointing out to her. It's not like a, I'm going to diss you and your people for no reason. No, he's trying to show her the lens of truth. And, uh, 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 truth. Yeah. You worship a God that you don't even know. And he's not necessarily pointing to himself. He's talking to about the many gods that Samaritans um, uh, prayed to and worshiped. And this wasn't a race war. It was about a nation of people, mean Jewish people, that mingled with other people. And so when they mingled with other people, married other people, those other people brought in their gods, what they do, what they accepted. And the Samaritan people, which was now the Jewish people that were now a mixed race, mangled and dismantled the religion. And so they're basically like, yeah, you're like a dog like a mutt, like you're a mixture of all these different religions and all these different races, and you don't even know who you worship. you basically like, do I want to have a baby? I'm going to pray to the God of fertility. Do I want to be rich? I'm going to pray to the God of wealth. Do I want to be beautiful? I'll pray to the God of beauty. Like whatever it was, whatever God there was, the Samaritans was like, cool, let me worship him because this is what I want. And so the Jewish people were like, what, what, what happened to you? It was almost every single a marriage or relationship or friendship that they entered into carried away little pieces of who they were to the point of generations and generations and generations later, they were just the Samaritans. They don't know what they are, where they came from, who they worship. And that was the Jewish people's problem with the Samaritans. They're like, they're dogs. They eat anything, lick anything, like everything, embrace anything. Wow. Jewish is like, no, we're not, we're, don't call us them. We have nothing in common. This reminds me about being on the plane on the way to Israel. Listen, there was, this was a 13-hour flight. This was a 13-hour flight, and I think it was around hour seven. Out of the darkness of the cabin, because the cabin was dark, because everybody was asleep, there was about 12 men in different places all around the plane, standing up in different 
and putting on these garments, putting on these long robes, putting on these tall hats that were probably like two feet high. I mean, like, it wasn't just like a little, it was like a, and they're strapping these things around their arms and they're attaching this thing to their head. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this a terrorist attack? What's going on here? All these men at the same time are getting up, dressing themselves, getting in the aisles, and then then what happens? And they begin to pray, and they were all facing the same way. And I'm like, what is going on? I didn't hear an alarm go off. I didn't hear the light go off. There's like literally was something on the inside of them that says it's time. And I'm like, time for what? Because I'm on this plane. And they were all praying, and they were praying, and they were praying. And it wasn't until I got off the plane and I made myself stop staring at all the Jewish people because they were dressed different. You could tell they were different. It wasn't until I got off the plane that I found out it was their time of prayer. And they were all faced a certain way because they were faced in the way that they thought were Jerusalem, the holy city. So they faced their bodies and their minds and their hearts toward the holy city, and they began to pray. And they begin to pray. And one of the things that stuck out to me was, isn't this inconvenient? Do we are seven, six hours in. It is the dark of day right now. You had to push past all these people, open up your suitcase, get your big tall hat, put it on, wrap your stuff up, and then begin to pray. And people are looking at you like, what's going on? I'm lifting up my little eye mask like, what's happening? Is it terrorist? What's happening? It had to be odd for them to do that. It had to be inconveniencing for them to do that. But because of them, it was inherent in them that it is time to pray. I don't care who's watching. I don't care how I look. I don't care who's staring at me. I don't care what time it is. I don't care if I've disturbed you now. It is time for me to pray. And I'm thinking, what kind of resolve is that? You stand up and you interrupt a quiet cabin, a quiet flight, and you don't care because I got to get down my suitcase to put on my garment to honor the Lord. Gosh, because they knew who they worshiped. And it was important to them. And it made me search within myself. I don't know if I would have done that. And because of that, I feel conflicted in my spirit. I don't know if I would have woke up the whole row to get out. We're talking about a plane that has three columns. So there's people everywhere. No matter what you do, you're going to bump in or to knock into some people. And they didn't just get up and just pray on how they were. No, no. They didn't go to God any kind of way. They had to dress a certain way. Because it was important to them that they approached the Lord with honor and with glory that he deserved. And he's like, I'm sorry if I have to wake you up, but I got to put on my garment. I'm sorry if I got to wake you up, but I got to put on my hat and cover my head. I'm sorry if I got to wake you up, but got to strap the word around my arm. I'm sorry if I got to wake you up, but right now I have to honor the Lord. There was a resolve to worship him in that way. Because they cared about the who they were connected to. They weren't distracted by the hundreds of people that were on that flight that they were waking up and inconveniencing. They didn't care. They had a resolve to worship. Listen, the next thing is worship is based on what we protect. My husband can say that he loves me until he's blue in the face. But how many wives can agree with me that if he just has all the women friends, he just buys all the women gifts, if I say, oh, yeah, my husband bought me a purse, they're like, oh, yeah, he bought me that too. Mm-hmm. 
If I say, oh, my husband took me for a nice dinner, it was right. That was like, oh, that's so great. He took me for a nice dinner too. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. When things don't, yeah, when things don't seem or feel protected, then things come in and they interfere with the connection. It's something in our relationship that's been left unprotected and something in the sanctity of what we share, if he's just giving all the love and all the affections and all the Michael Kors purses to just everybody, it leaves the connection unprotected. So I don't care how strong you say that you are or how dedicated you say that you are. These kind of actions leave the relationship that's precious open to the enemy. And that's one thing that we don't want to do. And so the, 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 the Jewish men, the 12 men standing around the plane cared more about their connection to the Lord and protecting it based on protecting my sleep or interfering with that flight. And there's so much that we can learn from our Jewish people that are so dedicated to honoring their God to a point where somebody that says that they're Jewish or said that they were once Jewish, but yet they're Samaritans and they're worshiping all other kind of gods, like, no, no, you're not with me. You're a dog. You don't worship our God. You don't pray. You don't dress yourself in a way that honors him. You are not of us. You are not with us. And that's when I begin to realize, oh, so that's the beef. It's basically saying, no, no, I'm Kaya too. No, no, you're not Kaya. You don't look like Kaya. You don't worship the Lord like Kaya. You're a Kaya that does whatever. Don't run around telling people you're Kaya. Don't run around telling me. It's like somebody running around saying that they are you. They're, 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 they're trying to have your identity. It's like, no, no, you don't get to have my identity. When you worship every God, when you like everything, when you embrace everybody. So we have to protect our connection with the Lord, even when it's not convenient. Even when it's not convenient. I don't have to ask my husband how much he values and prioritizes our relationship because I see it in the way he protects what we have. He carries himself like a man whose heart has been spoken for. He wears the promise on his hand so that way when he's not with me, he looks down and he sees it. He speaks of me in conversations. People can say, oh yeah, I've never met you, but we knew your name was Kaya Butcher because he wouldn't stop talking about you. It's happened so many times. They're like, I feel like I know you. Your husband talks about you all the time. His love for me causes him to protect what we have. And our love for God should do the same because he's jealous, not about the relationships that we keep or what we're doing or how, we, how he hasn't baby-gated us from distractions, but because he, he loves us and he loves our heart and he gave up his life for it. So do we worship the Father by how we protect our relationship from other gods that would love to receive our honor, our glory, and our power? from other distractions that would love to talk about and tell you how inconvenient it is to be a Christian, to go to church, to make church and worship our priority. Do we protect that connection? Let's turn to Psalms 119, 9 through 12. In the message, it reads this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping watch on himself, according to your word, conforming his life to your precepts. With all my heart, I have sought you, inquiring of you and longing for you. Do not let me wander from your commandments, neither through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed and reverently praised 
are you, O Lord, teach me your status. And that's what happened with the Jewish people. The same with the Samaritans. Generation after generation, every father taught his son, every mother taught her daughter, and it was important to them that I'm going to make sure you get this word in you, you get this tradition in you, you get these uh, things and these things that we do so that we can remember the Lord. Because if not, we'll forget. A true worshiper is one who knows God and protects their connection and the sanctity of what they share. Reading the word, practicing the word, teaching it to my children, being peculiar and different, knowing that I'm not of this world, means it's okay with me. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, are you okay with being different? I don't know about you guys, but it happens to me all the time. Everything is peachy and fun and rainbows until the whole room finds out, oh, you're a pastor? Uh, okay. Yeah, I am. I'm different. And sometimes that's hard for us because we are a people that love acceptance. Rejection is something that is just inherent in our flesh. We hate rejection. And so the enemy loves to use that. Mm, You're peculiar. That's right. The Lord told me that we are a peculiar people, but yet and still there's something about us that don't want to be peculiar. It's like, I just want to be like everybody else. But when I walk into the room, the conversation stops because it's like, Pastor Kaya's here. The story that somebody was in the middle of telling, I'll tell you guys later because Pastor Kaya is here. I'm a peculiar person. And sometimes we have to be okay with the fact that the resolve of me being a worshiper is okay being different. The next thing is being a true worshiper is having a steadfast heart. To have a resolve to be a worshiper, we have to have a steadfast heart. Matthew 15 and 8, it says this, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me tell you, let me me give you a truth moment here. I, just like you, have honoring lips, but a heart that is prone to wander. Lips that honor, but a heart that is prone to honor. It's inherent, it's in my flesh. We have lips that love to, to honor, but hearts that love to wander. Because everything that we see that to, to connect our passions to, to connect our love to, to connect our strength and our gifts and talents to is not always necessarily bad, but it's not God. So sometimes as Christians, sometimes we get a confusion between the good and the God. And sometimes we find ourselves just like Pastor John in that crowded room trying to figure out where did this connection get lost? There was all these good things around me. Nothing was bad. This is, this is good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is good. But before you know it, my heart is completely divided and my heart has wandered away from the Lord. So we have to have a resolve as a worshiper to have a steadfast heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Listen, God is constantly updated on the content and the positioning of our heart. Not to be a police, but to allow us to know when we're being deceived by a lie. Because God always knows. We hear it all the time, but I'm a good person. But I have a good heart. You guys don't know how many times people have tried to talk me into uh, uh, approving them for going to going to heaven. I'm like, I, I don't have the keys. I mean, like, I'm not, 
I'm not the Uber driver to heaven. Like, why are you trying to convince me? It's almost like, well, they can't convince God. They've convinced their own heart. So now we can try to maybe convince Pastor Kaya. I'm a good person. I have a good heart. We hear it all the time. But the Bible says that there's no not one good. No, not one. So which, what does that mean? That means we're not getting to heaven because we're good. We're going to get to heaven because of our connection. God's like, look, I laid down my life to keep that connection steady and current in your life. You've got to decide in yourself to have, be a, have a resolve to be a true worshiper, to keep that connection, to protect that connection, to know who you serve and who you, who you worship. We're not getting into God's kingdom because we get a gold star for smiling at the barista at Starbucks in the drive-thru. We're not getting into, into heaven because we're feeding the homeless a taco every Taco Tuesday. And we're not getting into heaven because we give to the SP, SPCA because we hear the Sarah McLaughlin song on the commercial. That's not getting us into heaven. It moves us because Sarah McLaughlin be coming in right in time, but that's not going to get me into heaven. We are saved by grace alone, not works. Let any man should boast. That's the scripture. God's like, look, you're not doing this. I'm doing this in you. I'm moving you from death to life, which means it points to the importance of our worship. It points to the importance of our connection, which means if we get disconnected from God, we've just gotten disconnected at any chance that we have to make it to the promise. Amen? As I get ready to close, look, I can keep singing every week on how good the Lord is, but still allow myself to forget him. I can leave our relationship unprotected and I can leave my heart unanchored because the heart is deceitful and it's wicked. It's like a hostage that's been tied up in your bathroom and the hostage is just waiting for you to turn your head so it can break loose and escape. That's our heart. But people don't love, don't like to hear that. They're like, no, not my heart. No, honey, your heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. It's looking for a chance to escape the truth of God's word. Our flesh and our spirit is contrary. It's looking to break loose from the law and the truth of God's word. But it's worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth through the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gave us not only to be with us, but to be in us, teaching us and leading us to all truth. That's what's going to allow us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Worshiping him in truth means no longer erecting these idols that I call God by worshiping the one and only living true God only, which means don't worship the God of acceptance of people. Don't worship the God of money. Don't worship the God at your job of people saying, oh man, you are the best worker ever. That is not your God. You don't worship that God. You worship the true and living God. I would hate for people to say that I am an amazing person, but not have the rapport of my Lord. I want to have a better resume with the Lord than I have with people. Since the beginning, God's been asking, Adam, where art thou? And he's still asking the people in his church. He's saying, where are you? What happened to us? What changed in you? What moved you away from me? What distracted you? What baited you away from holding my hand? Whether subtly or drastically, God is seeking those to come back and be connected to him. Who are, will, will worship him in spirit 
and in truth. Not to grave up, grade us, but he wants to move through us. God wants to move through us so that we will stand up in a crowded plain, in the pitch dark of night, because the Lord has beckoned our heart to pray and come to him. Like he wants those kind of people that will worship him in spirit. When the spirit moves you to say, fall on your knees and pray for Sister Jackie. Call, fall on your knees and pray for the Ruiz family. Fall on your knees and play for, pray and for Reuben and Real. God's looking for true worshipers that will say, you know what? I don't care what I'm doing right now. I'm going to have to step out of this meeting. I'm going to stand up right now and I'm going to call out their name. Why? Because I'm worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about the fact that I'm going to look different than everybody else in this room. It's about me saying, I care more about our connection. I want to protect it. I want to know God. I want to be able to walk with him in the cool of the day. I want to know his voice. I want to know when he's beckoning me to come to him or beckoning me to stop dead in my track. I want to know the Lord in that way. But I have to have the resolve of a worshiper. It all ties back to my connection. There's certain things that I know my husband will do or will not do. Why? Because of our connection. You can't tell me that you worship a God that you don't know. You can't tell me that you worship a God that you don't worship, that you don't spend time in prayer, learning and learning how to discern his voice in the midst of all the other voices that are looking and begging for your attention. You can't tell me you're a worshiper if you don't spend time with him. But the hour is coming. The hour is coming when the true worshipers, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him that will turn their back on the world and say, I worship the true living God. That will turn their back and maybe even offend some friends and say, I worship the true and living God. Well, we'll turn their back on somebody saying, but can, do you really have to do that right now? And worship the true living God. God's saying, I'm looking for them. In John chapter 14, verse 25 through 30, I promise this is the last scripture. It says this, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit from the Father will send, I will send in my name. And he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live with you, leave with you and peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. But let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There are certain things that the Lord has sent the Spirit to do in you and to do through you. And Jesus saying, you know, the work that I didn't finish, it was on purpose because I know my church will finish it. As a parent, you know your kids will love you to a point where there's, if I leave this earth, there's some things they're gonna honor me about. It's called legacy. It's called legacy. What kind of legacy are you leaving with your children? What kind of work will your children, will your sons and your daughters finish in this earth because they saw mom and dad doing it? What kind of things will they pick up and say, dad's gone, but I'm here and I'm going to finish that work. And Jesus is saying, that's you. That's the church. There's some things I left undone. God is God. There's, he could have finished everything and let it be finished. But he said, I'm finished with my part, but now my church is going to pick up and finish the rest. But we got to value our connection. Every time we connect with the Father in worship, it's like a cell phone that gets charged, that gets updated, that gets refreshed. 
And sometimes you pick up the cell phone if you have an iPhone. And sometimes it might look different because there was an update that happened in the middle of the night. You're like, oh, this is, oh, this is nice. Look at this. This is, this, you see this? Look at like, see how this is, it was different before. This is nice because there's some things with us that gets updated in worship where it's like, well, you know what? This is different because I was struggling in my relationships with people. I was struggling with lying. I was, I was struggling about not being bitter or not being jealous. I was struggling in that area, but I don't know for whatever reason, after I came out of that worship, after I came out of my prayer closet, after I came out of the presence of the Lord, for some reason, I'm just not wrestling with that anymore. There was an update that happened because of our connection. But if you don't value it, if you don't protect it, when you walk into the crowded room of all the voices, of all the gods and all the opinions and all the things saying, this is what you should be mad about. This is what you should be happy about. This is what you should accept. This is what you should not accept. If you're just walking into the crowded room of all those voices and you don't know when to squeeze the Father's hand, when you don't know to draw closer to him because you don't want to lose him, you might miss that. We don't want to miss it. We have to have the resolve to worship. No matter what, whether the, door, whether the doors of the church are open or whether they are closed. I pray as a pastor that if I don't teach you anything else, that you will learn how to get a hold of God no matter what. I pray that as I close my eyes and if I leave this earth, that I've taught you to have a resolve to worship. Because there's some things that I can't help you with or I can't teach you or I can't get to you, but the Father can. If you have a connection with the Lord, you have everything that you need. Which means any of us can say, I've run this race. I've finished my course because they know how to get a hold of the Father. They know how to worship. They know how to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Whether the room is crowded or whether the room is still. They know how to get a hold of the Father. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's give God some praise right now. Let's give him some praise. God is good and he is worthy. Hallelujah. If there's anybody here that says, you know what? Lord, I need to, I need to reattach my connection with the Father. I'm not saying that I've fallen off and I've worshipped some foreign gods, but Lord, I don't think I value my connection with you like I did before. Or maybe there's just, just in a life that's turbulent and constantly changing and twisting and turning, maybe you feel like you've lost connection of him. Maybe you don't know when, maybe you don't know how, maybe you don't know where. But guess what? There's grace here today to get reconnected, to allow his truth and his grace and his spirit to move and operate in you like never before. Because you know why? Because Jesus is looking for them to worship it in spirit and truth. You may be looking for God, but let me tell you something. He's looking for you. He is looking for you because there's work to do. There's things to be finished. And it takes a heart like yours to be able to do it. So everybody bow their head, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for meeting us here in this place. Whether we are here in the sanctuary or at home, God, we thank you that your presence is portable. <laughs> that, God, you can meet us wherever we are at. 
whether we are standing in the room of the palace or we are knee deep in the pig's pen, God, we thank you that your presence can meet us. So God, right now we ask, Lord, that as we examine ourselves, that you show us, let your word, let your spirit be your mirror to us tonight. Allow us to see where we are. You've been asking, where art thou? And God, we're saying, yeah, tell us, where are we? Are we close to you? Are we near you? Are we holding your hand or have we let go somewhere along the lines? So Father, I'm asking right now for every heart that's beckoning, every heart that desires it, every mind that's made up, God, I'm asking that by your spirit you move right now and you reattach, that you rejuvenate, that you revive every area in our heart or our mind that may have fallen asleep or may have maybe has even died off. God, I'm asking for a revival in our spirits right now in the name of Jesus. We're saying we want you. We will not be a people that worships all gods, that embraces all gods. No, we worship the one true living God. We thank you, Lord, that you laid down your life on a cross, Lord God, and gave up your life for this right here, for this connection. So God, we say we want let every heart be met, Lord God. Let every, every life be restored right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for this word. We ask right now that by your spirit that you attach it to us in such a way that we can't shake it loose, that we can't get rid of it, that it's like a song that plays over and over and over in our head. Allow your spirit to add to it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing in every single heart, but not only that, but every single family. God, I thank you, Lord God, that we know you that we can hear and discern your voice. And God, that we will be a people that will protect our connection with you. And more than anything, God, we want hearts that are steadfast in you. So thank you for this time, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you and we agree for all these things. In the awesome and matchless name of Jesus, all who agreed in that prayer, say amen. Shout every amen. Everybody that's here, put your hands together. Let's give God a big praise. Why? Because we just got updated. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.